Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I had stopped paying attention. I was I had lost my awareness of what was really important to my life, what was my connection between my mind and body and my spiritual soul. I realized it's hard. When you go that off track, it's hard to catch up. I'm creating that safe container. That container where people can feel safe to share exactly where they're at because that's where the magic is. You don't have to give up all those materialistic things. People think in order to do this, you have to give it up. It's not. As a sought-after speaker, event facilitator, and executive coach, Finian has been dubbed the business mystic because of his unique ability to put consciousness into business and inspire leaders to find new levels of meaning and purpose through their creative endeavors. This approach flowed through his term as president of the Colorado Chapter of Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, the largest and most influential community of entrepreneurs in the world. Finian helps people love their past so they can feel content with a life lived in the now. As an entrepreneur, Finian built and exited two multi-million dollar companies in the financial industry. He's the creator and chief visionary officer of intentionality.com. Using the intentionality framework, Finian guides people to create their path, get on their path, and stay on their path to wholeness. He says that he embodies intentionality and inspires others to do the same. I hope you enjoy this interview with Finney and Kelly. He really has this intersection of business and purpose and spirituality together. He's a great mentor for anyone that's looking to find their way and their path. I got so much out of this interview and now know so much more about what it means to be intentional to myself. I look forward to you experiencing his vulnerability, his insights and his wisdom. And I encourage you to get connected to his community that he's creating. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of People of Purpose. And here's to becoming People of Purpose. Hello, Finney and Kelly, and welcome to the People of Purpose podcast. So wonderful to see your smiling face here today. Welcome. Thanks, Tanner. It's a pleasure to be doing this. Mm-hmm. So I actually had you, you reached out to us. Um, without really knowing anything about me or that the fact that my business partner and my housemate is actually someone that you know from a couple of years ago. I thought that was a really serendipitous connection. Um, he had a lot of good things to say about you. I'm really excited to interview you today. Thank you. Yeah, it feels good. I always like that validation and how the world just puts us together and you're like, okay, we're in orbit together. That's really, really powerful. For sure. Uh, what I see that you bring to the table in a really big way that I don't know if I've found interviewed anyone in this way yet is you bring like business and then you also bring the whole like mysticism, spirituality side as well. Um, and that blend is very top of mind for me as well. Um, I'm not the kind of business owner that's drinking monsters and vaping all day. Like I'm, I'm meditating, I'm praying, I'm journaling, and I'm trying to put that into my business and um, infuse like meaning and purpose into what we do. And I see that you do that and you mentor people in that, you coach on that, you speak on that. Um, I'm just really excited to kind of see what along your journey got you there and then what you've, what you've learned now that you're in that seat. Wonderful. Cool. Well, when I was doing my research on you, I found it highly interesting that uh, you, you claim that you found your way while you're walking the Camino. Uh, 
I also have found similar ways walking. I did Machu Picchu and I did Mount Everest. Um, and both of them kind of came on the back end of like some sort of devastating breakup or like trauma in my life. And those things really realigned me. I, I want to hear from you. Like, what did you learn about finding your way while you walked the Camino? Awesome. Well, I love that you've done Machu Picchu. I did that as a pilgrimage a couple of years ago as well. So every year I do a birthday pilgrimage. Uh, I see, I take birthdays very seriously. It's a time where we, our soul chose to come into this moment, into this exact situation in the, in the world where the stars are aligned in this position to the sun, into this environment for some reason. So I, I feel like birthdays, rather than it should just be a celebration of like life, it should be actually like a reflection period of why did I come here at this moment? Like, why did I put myself into this situation? So one way I do that is to go on a, a birthday pilgrimage. It's a time where around my birthday, generally it's just before, where I go do something. Generally it's a walk and I reflect on the year, who I've become, who do I want to become, my challenges. And it's incredible enlightening. The, the most powerful one and where it really became established for me was in 2017, I walked the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage, which is uh, one of the most spiritual and traditional ancient pilgrimages uh, you can do. It crosses the, the width of Spain. So you actually start in the southwest corner of France. Your first day, you climb over the Pyrenees, which is quite confronting on your first day. And then you walk 510 miles plus across all of Spain. And what's amazing about it is, is that people have been walking this for thousands of years. And so just the energy there is amazing. People have been, it used to be a very Christian pilgrimage. Now people have just embraced it as a spiritual pilgrimage uh, and, and they're, they're walking there. And generally they're all confronting some form of trauma or it's been a big life achievement. Like they might've survived cancer and they want to go prove to themselves that they can do something. So the magic of this is it's a, it's a long walk. Like it's not a short thing. So uh, as you know, when you go on a vacation, if it's under four days, you don't switch off. Like you're, you're still in that mode. But when you're walking for a month and you're walking big distances every day, you have a lot of time to yourself, especially when you don't have your phone, you don't really have music. I didn't have either my music. I did have a little iPod shuffle and then my, my headphones broke and I was like, okay, it's a sign I'm not meant to listen to music. And I just walked and I did a lot of reflection. That was a really, that was my most challenging year in my adult life. And it was uh, my wife had, and I had separated. I had some really challenging business issues and basically all my childhood trauma was deciding to come up in this moment. And I had to just face it. And over those 500 plus miles, I walked, I reflected, I almost picked, I did a lot of actually, in hindsight, I was quite cruel to myself. I'd pick a day, each day I had a theme that I wanted to heal. So like one day would be, all the things I've done cruel to my body over my life. And I would just forgive. And I just like really would live through them and forgive, forgive myself for them. I then did it one to everything, every ex-girlfriend and had to relive everything I've ever done there. And that was quite challenging and it brought up a lot of emotions, but it was, it was also a very cathartic process. And how I found my way was really, it's funny that Camino actually is called the way. Uh, I'm a study of the Tao Te Ching, which is also called the way. And as I'm walking the path, one day I 
I just sort of, it's, it's interesting. Your, your, your map, your map is literally these little yellow arrows or clamshells and they direct you and they're just there on the, on the path or on a hedge or like on a stone hedge or on a sign. And you just follow your way and you walk across the whole country without any map, just doing this. And generally you don't have to pay that much attention. You, you'll just be there. You just, you're just sort of a little bit aware and you can see them. But one day I had my head down. I was so self consumed with my, with my story, my drama. And one moment I just looked up and I looked around and there wasn't a single other pilgrim. I couldn't see any yellow arrow. And I was like, when was the last time I actually saw a yellow arrow? And that was my aha moment. I was like, oh shit, I've lost my way. And this was where I'm very similar in my life. I had lost my way. I had stopped paying attention. I, was, I had lost my awareness of what was really important to my life. What was my connection between my, my mind and body and my spiritual soul. And I, I realized it's hard when you, when you go that off track, it's hard to catch up. Now, before I'd lost my moments, little bits on the Camino, but I'd look up and I'd be like, oh, there's some pilgrims. I can just navigate my way over there. I could go back. And you can do that if you're, if you're paying, like if you've got awareness consistently, but if you go really far off track, it's really hard to come back. It's, it's a really hard thing to do. And that was my moment when I was like, okay, that's what's happened in my life. I've just gone off my path. I've gone on someone else's path. I've lost connection myself. And now this is my work. I've got to find my way back. And that's really where the, the, uh, with the whole intentionality philosophy came up. It was this idea that the most important bit is awareness. That's the first step of any change, any transformation. You need to have awareness. And at that moment, you can decide to accept it or not. And that's when you start navigating your way back. And it was a very liberating moment, uh, also very confronting as well, because I thought I would say I would live to, this is the paradox of this moment. I had lived a very intentional life, but the problem was there were some things inside of me that were driving some of my decision-making that I wasn't aware of. Mm-hmm. And it's not just good enough to think that you're living an intentional life in your mind. You have to be connected to your body and your spirit as well, because otherwise you might be operating from a place of fear, scarcity, lack whatever, whatever trauma you have inside of you. For sure. Yeah. I love that way you put that intentionality starts with the awareness. You have to decide whether you're going to accept it or not. Mm -hmm. What, what, how do you define intentionality and what is it that makes you so passionate about it still? Wonderful. So I have a few definitions, but in the simplest form is intentionality is deciding how you want to feel and then taking deliberate action towards it. So there's a couple of key elements there. It's, it's all about the feelings. Uh, this is something where you'll hear me talk a lot about. It's everything is feelings. We are just one big ball of feelings and we need to learn how to feel them, learn how to express them, learn how to release them. And then ultimately that's what, that's what gives us fulfillment is we're going after a particular feeling. Now, tradition in the, in the modern day world, which is very left brain focused, analytical, it's all achievement, success, progress. We believe if we do these certain things, then it's going to make us feel a certain way. But the problem is often we're not in touch with what the core feelings that we really want. And we, we achieve that achievement 
and we don't have that feeling and the contrast is devastating. That's where a lot of the time people have breakdowns after they achieve their dream. I was, that would happen to me. I literally had sold multi-million dollar businesses. I was married to a woman I loved. I moved over to Beaver Creek. I was living in a mansion in a ski resort. I love skiing a hundred days a year. My, I had achieved everything on my life vision. And then the sorrow, the suffering came through because it wasn't actually what I wanted. Now it was close when I look back in hindsight, but there was a few core things that were missing. And I thought that I'd suddenly feel better once I had all that. And I did it because I still didn't feel worthy inside. And it doesn't matter how much materialistic achievements or awards or accolades or anything you get there. If you don't feel worthy now, you won't feel worthy later. It's one of my sayings is money is a magnifier. If you feel a hole now, when you have more money, the hole will be bigger because you now have the, the space to actually experience those feelings. So that's, that's the key element is like deciding how you want to feel and then taking deliberate action. It's all about being deliberate, not, not allowing other people to dictate what steps you take on your path. Focusing on today, right now, what is the step that you can take to get you on your path? Because that's the key element. First, you've got to get on your path. Then you've got to actually stay on your path as well. First, you've got to find your path. Then you've got to get on your path. And then you've got to stay on your path. And that's the really important part. And that's the, that's the, the challenge of it because it doesn't stop. You can discover intentionality, understand it, or get on your path. But then you put your head down like I did on the Camino and you just walk off and you're now on someone else's path. You've got to keep, keep working every day. It's a practice coming back. Am, is this my life of intentionality? Am I walking my path? Right. What was it that made you tap into worthiness today? Like, what is the secret to finding that feeling of, of worthiness? You said that money doesn't solve that and it just magnifies that gap. What is it that, is, that makes you know that you're worthy and how can people tap into that? So key element is to learning to connect with your feelings. We, we all have feelings or emotions and the whole idea of emotions, when you actually look at it, it's emotion. It's meant to be energy in motion. But unfortunately, a lot of the time, we don't allow the energy to be in motion. We suppress it because it feels a little bit uncomfortable. Something happened as a child. So then we've put up protection layers, which we actually needed in that moment. And then as we've got older, we haven't learned that we need to let go of those protection layers. So we just keep suppressing the feeling. So it just gets it actually, we think that it will, will be able to put it away, but it actually gets stronger. And whatever you, that little moment where you had a little bit of fear or a little bit of insecurity or, fe- or, or a feeling of abandonment, it becomes stronger and stronger as you become as an adult if you don't deal with it. So the first is to get connected with it and allow energy to be released. Like we have negative energy sometimes that just needs to be released. It's not who we are. Sometimes it's other people's energy. So first, getting connection with your feelings and letting it be the released. And then it's a deep practice of self-compassion. We are love. Like that's ultimately what we are. That's We're all oneness. We're love. We are here to love. We're here to give love. We're here to experience love. And we can't ever properly love anyone else or anything in life if we don't have a deep connection to ourselves because effectively we've separated ourselves. And we need to come back to that. And that sounds very cliche because it's like, oh, self-love. But it's, it's just what love is, is remembering who you are. That's all it is. That's, 
That's really all the loving practice is remembering who you are. Coming back in, Ram Dust would say, we are loving awareness, where the we have this awareness and we can and with this this loving awareness because we're so connected to ourselves. So self-compassion is a, a really powerful practice. And I like to go deeper in self-compassion is that there's a few ways to do it. We have what the difference is, and this is one of the principles of intentionality. We have seven principles of intentionality and I might uh, hatch off a few in the philosophy, but one is, is um, experience peace and freedom by learning to choose love over fear. So that's ultimately what we want, peace and freedom. It feels nice. It's why over the last year, a lot of people have struggled in a pandemic because suddenly our rights have been taken away and we've lost freedom, even though our circumstances haven't changed that much. It's just certain elements. It's like, I don't want to be told what to do. And peace is that feeling of when you're just content with life, you're, you're connected to nature, to yourself, and it feels calm. It's, it's what why people do so much self-help work is they want that feeling. So learning to choose love over fear is really important. We have become addicted to using fear as a driver. We believe that if we're hard on ourselves, that we're going to get better results. So for example, I, I have a, uh, I don't know, one night I have dessert. So then the next morning I punish myself. I go, well, I better eat clean today because I've been so naughty the night before. Now that doesn't really work. Fear as a driver is very limited. It's short term. It, it works for a period of time, but then it breaks down because what happens is you're going against yourself. You're criticizing yourself. You're not recognizing that you're a love. So it loses its energy. It's why corporal punishment in schools, it used to be a thing. We used to think hitting kids and being fearful was really good for their learning. And then after they did some studies, they realized it wasn't productive at all. It actually put them in a state that they could not connect to their true nature. They weren't able to learn because they were so just separated from themselves. So we got rid of that in the 60s, but we do more corporal punishment still than we've ever done before, all to ourselves. It's literally to ourselves. The language we use against ourselves every day is so cruel. If you ever did that to a child, in a school place, or you did this to your friends, you people would not have anything to do with you. They would just be like, how cruel are you? But we do that to ourselves because we think that's going to make us better. It's going to get us to where we want to go. And we believe if we, if we start letting go of that, we're going to lose our edge because for a period of time, it did get us to where we needed to go. But there's a more powerful driver. If you use love, it's going to create so much more possibility for you so much more opportunity for you because love is just so strong and love is infinite love is abundant so that key element is we have to learn how to choose love and with self-compassion that's the difference self-criticism is fear self-compassion is love it's not gonna it's not saying that you're going to be lazy it's not going oh don't worry you can eat as much as you want there's nothing wrong that's that's delusional that's not self-compassion what it is, is you make a mistake and in that moment, rather than punishing yourself, you go, you have a few different ways. You might go, the first is just through self-kindness. It's literally just going, it's okay. Like, yes, you made a mistake, but if you had your knowledge now, you would make a different decision. Tomorrow, you can do something differently. And it's just being kind to yourself. It's rubbing yourself on, on the arm. It's that little self-love. What do we do when someone comes at us? We naturally protect ourselves. 
and we rub ourselves. If we see people who are really fearful, they intuitively know it because they get connected back to the heart and they and they feel that. So that's one element, self-kindness. Next is interconnectedness, the idea that you're not alone. Someone else has gone through this problem before. Uh, so it's about rather than looking so internal, it's expanding outwards and getting some perspective. So for example, I always the pandemic is a great example. If a year ago, I just said to you, Tanner, you are from next week, you're going to be not allowed to leave your home. You're not allowed to travel anymore. You can't go to restaurants. You have to wear a mask, all these different things. You'd be like, I can't do it. It's not physically possible. But because all of us were in the same circumstance, you adjusted really quickly. You're like, oh, well, I'm not, it's not, I'm not alone. Other people are doing it. It made it, the event a lot easier. So that's another powerful doorway. And then third is uh, all about self um, being mindfulness. It's breath. It's dropping into the present moment, coming connected to, to nature. And there's a beautiful book uh, by, I think it's Dr. Christine Neuf, who actually talks about these these three doorways. And it's it's been one powerful practice of just coming back to love, that idea of self-compassion. We can drop back into love and that's where you get the worthiness. And it's a continuous practice. I thought I'd found worthiness. And right now I'm going through some really deep confronting challenges for myself, some, some areas that uh, I've thought that I'd escaped from, but I realized, no, it's still there. I'm still believing I need to be creating, scaling a large business to be worthy, even though I'm getting like, I just got a message from my brother, which was the most beautiful message I've ever received from him. We have in a relationship that goes in and out, but he was just acknowledging the work that I'm doing and the contribution I'm putting to the world and uh, how he's really loving how all my life experiences are coming together in one philosophy and he loves my vulnerability and he loves me. It was like the best moment ever. That gave me a greater feeling than building a hundred million dollar business ever could. But still, even though my rational mind knows that I've created a pattern in me that has created a story that I need to be progressing, need to be succeeding. And it's, it's, it's deep. It's hard to unwind. Yeah, for sure. I totally get what you're saying about your brother's message. That's one of the things that keeps me so alive with wanting to have a podcast is every episode, you get a few of those streaming in. It's like, you know, this guy's philosophy has changed my life. Thank you so much for featuring him. Your questions were amazing. I did this change in my life. Now, like, look where I'm at. And, yeah. like, and you never know who's watching. That's the hard thing or who's listening, especially these days. Like there's less likes and comments than ever before like but people are still watching and consuming it so you don't get that information back and this is the power of service when you just give without anything in receiving you you just don't realize what impact you might be going like that moment that video that you were like oh do i want to post or that podcast that recorded someone in their weakest moment might have just for some reason listened to that and it might have resonated with them and it might have set them off, one, from a really negative place, even saving their life, which I think is going to be happening a lot over the next year. Two, maybe it's the step that they needed to go, I'm not on my path and I want to get on my path. And what a gift to be able to do that. That's, that's incredibly inspiring. And that's I, I have to remind myself because I naturally don't love being on social media. Like I was off it for four years. I've only just like got back on it because I realized that's how people consume now. And if you're in this type of business, you need to be on it. And I have to override myself every day. This is not about me. 
there's someone else out there who needs to hear this just like you heard from someone else who really affected you but keep passing on the gift right today's episode is sponsored by win mastermind in partnership with former guest alexander keenan we have an opportunity to bring anyone into the podcast that really wants more clarity more goal setting to be a part of a connection with other entrepreneurs and visionaries that are creating their vision every single day i just recently had a session where i posed to the group a question on what would be a good value ladder to make sense for people of purpose listeners to be able to engage more deeply with their purpose that can not only bring revenue into our project but also serve people to engage more deeply in a relationship with others on the same journey as them to get them connected to some of these mentors and guests and opportunities we have available. And just posing that question really contributed a lot of growth for me to have a more organized mind to be able to lead my team, to lead you, and planted a lot of seeds during the conversation that helped me to organize the sequences of steps we could take, give me clarity to help others get clarity, and then see kind of what this bigger picture may look like where we could get people plugged into some coaching and some business development calls as a group and then get them ultimately connected with the mentors and masters of the craft that that I've come to know through three years of being connected to the most purpose-driven people on the planet. So yeah, if you want to join Win Mastermind, go to winmastermind.org. Let them know that People of Purpose sent you here. Book your free call with Alexander himself and see if it's the right fit. What is it about your way specifically that makes you want to be building and scaling millions, million dollar business or multi-million dollar businesses? Is there some sort of principle as well that kind of um, relates to what you're currently doing and as far as mentoring and, and like guiding other people's ways? What is it about growing a business that feels so important and intentional to you? Well, I'll give you two answers. There's, there's the, I suppose the vulnerable, sad answer, there's an element there where it's, it's a feeling of worthiness. I, I, from a young age, I effectively felt like I was abandoned. That was my story. So I had to take care of myself. And the way I made myself feel okay with that confront, confrontation, because that's a very hard thing to feel as a 10-year-old boy, was to go, well, I would find worthiness in other ways by like being one of the smartest people, skipping grades, doing most like doing crazy things, uh, all these bigger adventures, starting businesses, doing all these different things, because that was a way to stop me from having to face the core element that I felt abandoned and that didn't make me feel loved. And it was too hard to confront as a child. And that's, that's what I'm confronting now, which is, which is that element. So that's the sort of sad element of it, I suppose. Um, and it's, I'm not proud of it. And it's actually one of the reasons why I'm about to try to take a break, like a really intentional break. And just in a way, it's it's funny, like I'm still going to be creating in that time, like still contributing through speaking and facilitating and I'm writing a book, but it's that pressure of being responsible for others, like leading teams. I want to have a break from that for a period of time just to get connected with myself, to decide, do I love business or is that a story that I've become addicted to? So I just want to get awareness of it around that. And then on the other side, why I believe business is amazing is because you can have so much impact. You, you get to decide the path of what you want to be doing, what, who you want to be serving, how you want to be contributing to the world. And that's pretty amazing as well. Like I look back at my years and 
I don't have, even if it might not have been exactly the path now that I was thinking that maybe that wasn't my path, but it was, but it still, I contributed so much in that time. And that feels very, very rewarding. For sure. Definitely. I get that. That's such a dichotomy you're feeling right now. Mm-hmm. How is it that you tapped into this uh, feeling of, okay, like this is rooted in abandonment? Because I think a lot of people don't really have those kinds of insights. What is it that allowed you to develop those insights? Was it more of a conversation with someone close to you? Was it a meditation practice? What was it that that allowed you to kind of have that insight? There was a number of, number of things. So when my wife and I separated and it was, it was very confronting for me. Like I, it wasn't my intention. It was suddenly we were together and then we weren't. And wow. I was living in this big giant house. We achieved our dream. And in that moment I was sitting there and I realized, okay, yes, this feels like it's happening to me, but I've got to take ownership. I've participated in this too. And there's, there's things in my life that must have contributed to this situation of how this played out. And I basically looked at everything and I was like, well, there's certain things. I haven't spoken to my dad in 18 years. I have a lot of resentment against my mother for how that played out. Uh, things with my body. I had a body complex for a long time, even though I was always fit and strong. But there was, there was a lot of different issues. And effectively what I did was, this is where the path, I talk about the path a lot. I, I saw two different paths. I was sitting there and I was like, okay, I was in so much pain, like more pain than I've experienced. It was, it was so confronting. And I went, okay, well, this is how you've coped with pain before. You'll go start achieving things. You'll distract yourself. You'll go travel, you'll party, you'll be with women. Um, I saw that path. And in the short term, it felt a lot easier. It was familiar. It was. It would be pain relieving. It'd be pretty fun. It'd be liberating. But I looked at. I went. Okay, don't just look at the short. Where does that path end up? What's the likelihood of where that path ends up? And it was pretty much that. Well, you're probably not going to deal with your pain. You're going to suppress it. And it's going to get worse later on. You might do some, not some very nice things to women, um, because that's what you do in that ego state. You're you're potentially um, never going to find true love. You, you might not be a father, um, all these different things. And I was just like, that path doesn't look that appealing for me. And then I looked at the other path and in that path required a lot of sitting, facing my trauma, confronting everything that contributed to this, doing a lot of deep work. And in the short term, that seemed horrible. Like it seemed like unfathomable. I didn't even know how I was going to get there. But then I looked at the longer path and that saw some things that, well, maybe I'd learn to love myself. Maybe I'd fall in love again. Maybe I could be a dad. Maybe I'd do some really good things. Maybe I'd learn some things about myself. Maybe I'd connect with other people. And it became a pretty simple choice. When you look at it like that, it was like, well, really there's only one path. Like if you're really connected with your true nature, that was my path. So in that moment, I sat. I sat in this giant house for three months by myself, didn't distract myself. And I sat and felt all the feelings and it was horrible. It was like, it was torture. But through that, I confronted a lot. I did things like spoke to my dad for the first time in 18 years. Mum came over and spent a week with me and we reconnected um, and, and healed some relationships there. I healed my body trauma. I like confronted everything and I forgave myself 
And it was, it was a beautiful experience. So that was probably the big awakening. And then I worked with a beautiful healer, an energy medicine woman. I did walk the Camino. I did medicine journeys. There was a lot of different work there, but the key element, and I, I believe this is the most important in any work is sitting and getting connected with your feelings. That's, that's more important than going and doing a, a medicine journey. There's, there's a great trend right now where people think that's the answer and it, it's part of it. But first you have to come partly connected and fully connected with your feelings. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. For me, it was really powerful to do a 10 day Vipassana meditation. Have you done one of those before? So uh, my, my girlfriend has, and she actually says it's a requirement for, for us to be together. I have to go do one and I'm trying to get one, but it's really hard to get into one at the moment and then finding the window. So I just applied for one in May but uh, I'm on the wait list. So we'll see. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy how it's, it's literally just sitting all day long. It's like 12 hours of seated meditation where you're going very deep into your, what you feel. It's like the deepest, subtlest sensations you can feel in your body. And then tying that to kind of the emotional subconscious layers. I think you'll really get a lot out of it. I'm looking forward to it. What'd you get out of it? What was your key takeaway? Um, key takeaway was I am on a path of healing I need to continue trusting this path. Um, It doesn't matter that I don't have the answers of where I'll be in six months or one year or whatever expectations others have of me to like have some linear logical path that this is my path. And it's like, it's led me to this jungle of Thailand by myself where I'm meditating at a temple and I'm the youngest person here. And this is exactly where I need to be. Um, And then just like feeling so connected to the divine throughout like, having these experiences where it's like the wind is flowing through my hands and like I'm tuning into the birds and I'm like, this is, this is way like I am wealthy right now. I'm rich. I I feel all the things that people will strive for like 50 years of their life to go and feel by making a bunch of money or having like an important job or doing some big ego boosting thing. I can feel it right here and now. And I have access to this tool with me everywhere I go. Yeah. It's very, very grounding. And, and the funny thing is, I know you're making the comparison against what the 50 years and the ego, they don't actually ever feel that because you can't feel it from an outside experience. It has to be internal. So they're chasing that feeling and they think that they're going to get it, but you can't. And that's, that's, the, that's the real challenge in this world is because we, we're so conditioned with the left brain thinking, analytical achievement, progress. We've gone, we've got disconnected from our right brain feeling the feeling body, the, the love side. And we, even though we know, we intuitively know that we have this feeling that's important, that's what we're chasing because the heart is stronger than the brain. We've conditioned now the, the brain, the mind to rationalize everything and dictate what we're doing. And we create a story that, well, if I do this, then I'll get that feeling, but it can't. We have to come back and come back to the integration. And that's, that's what you said in my introduction is, that's where I got the nickname, the business mystic is, is that entrepreneurs are great, but we've gone too far on the left. Like we've, we're there and we need to come back to this middle. And that's when we become powerful beings to pull it back. And um, I, I feel very grateful that I got nicknamed that by people that I worked with. And it's, it's you know, for a while, I was like, oh, do I even use that? But I realized it, it describes it well. That's what I do. And the funny thing is, is there's a lot more spiritual beings than me. There's people who are so much more connected to the divine, so much more powerful. But the problem is, is that if they try to communicate to people in the left brain and they can't connect on the left brain as well, it's too far. The gap's too far and they can't get them there. So the fact that 
I have lived the entrepreneurial life. I've been an investment manager. I've done the, all the egotistical left brain analytical things. I can connect with them and that brings them and makes them feel safe to come back. And, and that's, that's something which I, I took a while to identify that that was one of my, my zones of genius. It was one of my, my superpowers. I feel so grateful. Like the last day of that uh, meditation. Um, so it's like nine and a half days of silent meditation. The last four hours or five hours or so is they open it up to speaking to one another. And the guy next to me for a lot of my meditations was like, looked like he was about 70 years old. And he was, he was just like, this was the most impactful experience of my life because I'm that guy that had three Ferraris and Lamborghinis and six estates in the South of France. And I sold multiple companies. And now I'm like living with my Thai wife in her village in like random place in Thailand. And now I'm coming here and I finally understand what the meaning of my life is about. Um, you are so lucky to be able to get to experience this. At that time, I was like 26 years old. Wow. And I was like, that was like really meant a lot to hear from someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. What a gift. And, and what's funny is, is that you don't have to give up all those materialistic things. People think in order to do this, you have to give it up. It's not. You can get connected to the divine, do this beautiful work. And then you're in a place where you can actually, you're not attached. That's the key element. You're not attached to a certain story. You can experience the joy of love. It's, it's one of the beautiful uh, attributes of a human being is we get to feel, we get to have joy, we get to have all these experiences and you get to embrace it, but you're not attached to it. And you don't realize that that brings you any, you, you don't need that to feel worthy or feel loved. And that's the magic of it. So a lot of people think the story, I have to give up this. And it's like, no, you just have to give up the attachment to it. Then effectively you can actually attract more. It's the key element in manifestation is if you feel like you need it, you can't attract it. You just have to be in a place where you feel like you've already got it and you're welcoming into your life and you can attract more. It's, it's the people who really create in an abundant way. They don't do it by hard work. They just, they feel connected and they're like, oh yeah, I'd allow that in, but I don't need it. Mm -hmm, for sure. I totally feel that because when you're feeling like you're dependent on that for your happiness, it, the root of that is actually coming from this scarcity thing that I need this now or, or else all these bad, fearful anxiety inducing things will happen and then that just attracts more bad fearful anxiety inducing things in your life definitely it's that it's the whole concepts so in finance number one goal of what a lot of people wanted was financial security and i would tell them the problem is if you're going after security it actually breeds insecurity because the whole idea is is that you don't feel secure now and you have a story that once you have this certain amount of funds you're going to feel more secure but you won't because the key core feeling is you feel insecure. And when you have that, then you'll start worrying about losing it or you'll create a story that you need more. So the element is, is no, don't go after security. Like that sounds, that's not it. Go after choice, go after flexibility, but security, that's a dangerous thing because you're breeding that feeling of lack, the feeling of scarcity. For sure. Thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Finney and Kelly on empowering intentionality and inspiring others to do the same. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Finian, talking about unlocking financial independence, how he was able to synthesize being an entrepreneur and a wanderer, being authentic and earning an authentic relationship, and his undercover angel project for Nat Geo.